This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank uh, you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today as we head into another big weekend of sports with uh, all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, prep football, I'll have the call for the Wilmer Cardinals tonight. Uh, that's not too long from now. Early start time, 6 o'clock to kick, 5.40 with the Rambo pregame today. They're in Ricori. Coach Heitzman and myself on the call there. Uh, there's college volleyball around the state and country as well. And that's where our friend Jeff Ash is headed uh, this weekend a little bit. Going to watch some volleyball. you got some other family stuff uh, going on. You know, you, you, you get to a certain level, you start going to a lot of weddings at some point, don't you? Like friends of your kids, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Kind of in that in between where I'm going too many funerals and maybe uh, wedding, not too many weddings, but yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, you got both on both ends of it, but uh, a couple weddings this weekend, so it's kind of got to split up a little bit. Um, one of Carrie's best friends' daughters gets married tonight, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the trek to Duluth. I think this is our third straight year we've had to go to Duluth, which really is a great place to go, but it's always tough to go to good teams' home, yeah. home gym. Yep. And it's long road trips, but, um, yeah, we head up there. They're very good. They're ranked in the top ten of the nation, too. So we have a really tough weekend with um, UMD and then back to St. Cloud, who's better than UMD. So oh, wow. it's uh, it's a tough weekend, um, but it's fun. And like I've been saying, this is the, uh, the last go-around. So trying to stay in the right frame of mind to just enjoy it. Um, I... Uh, got a few things to do and then i'm gonna hit the road this morning and get up there they actually i heard you say a early start for the football game but the yeah. girls start at five two which is a little bit earlier so i gotta yeah. make sure i get up there and navigate the detours and all that other fun yeah stuff. yeah that's but it right should be beautiful drive yeah and it's supposed to be a beautiful weekend too there's some gorgeous yeah. golf courses up there are you going to be ensconced in volleyball the whole weekend or might you get the clubs out a little bit Sunday there might be a game trying to be put together at Hawk with some guys just because the weather looks so nice. But Sleepy Eye, who I talk about quite a bit, the Sleepy Eye boys, they have a two-day, two-man scramble. I think it's a scramble. So they have a big two-day tournament down there that takes some some of our local guys away. Um, But So they have that going on. But, yeah, I I would guess on Sunday I'll try to get out there and do a little – play a little golf. I I was out with speed, actually, course is looking amazing i know i tried to get you guys over here last week so i hope that can still happen but yep i'm ready um, whenever man you know it wasn't yeah. me that held us up no i know i thought <laughs> no you know it's so busy, so busy. that's right but um you know thinking about it the course is you know i i actually was lucky enough to play nine holes of speed um and we're talking like we have one month you know that these courses are open todd one month only yeah. Yeah, and you're like me. You know, we cannot wait to get through winter to get to that first tea time in the spring. But it sure does fly by fast. Yeah, it does. It's hard to believe that already the near end of the golf season uh, is here. So since we uh, switched over to golf a little bit here, yeah. uh, I I really thought that the depth of the U.S. Ryder Cup team would make the difference. I knew that if you honestly looked at uh, Team Europe. You would take Hovland, Rahm, and McElroy, probably as the best three players of the 24 guys on the two teams. So they have the three best. But I thought the depth of Team USA would come through, but then they get swept 
in the morning foursomes. Now, as Lefty and I are talking, it's about 8.30 uh, in the morning, so we don't know the completion of the afternoon four ball as this is airing. But as we're speaking here, they were trailing in two, one tied and Uh one up only in one. So if that holds, let's say they can flip the one and win two, they'd still be down six to two after the first day. That's a rout of a first day. Yeah, they are getting absolutely destroyed in that one match, too. Uh, Is it Rory and Fitzpatrick? Yep, they're killing (laughs) Morikawa and Shoffley, yeah. Yeah. Fitzpatrick made like 70 feet of putt in the first five holes or something. It was like, it was crazy. But I think I mentioned it, I don't remember if I did or not, but uh, you know John Bross, so John and I work with Chris, but they're there. So they're, they're at the Ryder Cup. So I woke up to a text from Chris that said, well, witnessed history, she goes on Unfortunately, it was Europe and not USA. I didn't know what that meant. And then I looked, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, we got freaking swept. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. You know? So, yeah, and these guys are looking good. I just, It's crazy how honed in they get. It's like every dang shot is at the pin, and every putt is right there, and everybody's putting for birdie and eagle. And yep. They must really get hyped up and amped up for this kind of an atmosphere and just this competition. It's so cool. Well, you know, the European players, I mean, even though they're good ones, are playing on the PGA Tour anyway, but they know that the U.S. is considered the bedrock of golf. That's where the game was. It wasn't invented there, but that's where uh, the, the best PGA Tour is based, is in the U.S. I think that yep. puts a little chip on their shoulder. They, they get tired of hearing about uh, how the U.S. is the best place for golf on, on their professional circuits, and that's where they need to be. And even though, like I say, many most of their top players are already on the PGA Tour. I think they take that a little personal, and they like to stand up to it, especially in Europe. Boy, that's been a tough place for the U.S. to do much. Yeah, we do not have a good track record there at all. Um, I did. I watched a lot of the. I don't know if you did, but I watched the opening ceremonies and all the interviews, and it's easy to get amped up. It's like yeah. saying Super Bowl week almost, you know, as far as the fanfare that they have for it and just the – I don't know. I love the tradition and the history of golf. So just to hear a lot of those guys, and they're talking about all the Seve stuff and how they have a memorial for him right in their locker room in the last last shirt he wore against Tom Lehman in his last Ryder Cup, and just all that stuff is pretty neat. And there is so many people there. It's just unbelievable how many people are there. And I don't know. You went, Did you go when it was at Hazeltine? I did, yep. Yeah, I mean... I said that was like the coolest sporting event I had ever been at. Just yeah. Unbelievable atmosphere. I was and there. I Chris, Chris said it was much easier to watch here than it was at Hazeltine, so oh. that's interesting. Yeah, that is it. Yeah. Well, uh, they showed some of the build-out that they did for this golf course. So from what I understand, uh, you know, uh, who was it? One of the U.S. players, uh, it might have been, actually I think it was one of the European players, I think it might have been Victor Hovland, said that actually he doesn't like the golf course if they're playing a regular like tour event, a DP World Tour okay. event there. He doesn't care for it for um, stroke play. He doesn't think it's that great a golf course, how it's designed and so forth. He said, but for match play, it's going to present a lot of really interesting choices for the players. He said, I love it for match play. Don't like it much for stroke play. I thought that was interesting. I mean, I know there's differences, and I can't explain why he uh, thought that he didn't go into it uh, too much, but he really thought there'd be 
a lot more choices they would have to make in match play. So that's why I like that course. And I guess they took it there too because there was areas for them to really build it out. I mean, they have a gigantic grandstand around the first tee and and other holes. So uh, the way they can host uh, the patrons and so forth, much better at that course than a lot of the others they may have chosen in Europe. Yeah, I think it's so much about what your partner has done. You know, it depends on the format and this. Yep. But what your partner has done, but then also what the team that you're going against or the player that you're going against, which, you know, that would never be in your round. It wouldn't be like, oh, Todd just, you know, Todd hit it in the rough, so now I can do this. You know, yeah. I, you're just worried about your score overall. So I know they had that earlier when Victor, who has been absolutely nuts so far, I mean, yeah. that guy is, geez, he's in Fuego. Yeah. But, um, you know, he hit one to like three feet, and they said, well, now if it was Hatton or whoever was playing with him, he goes, well, he can be super aggressive now, which you probably wouldn't do playing your own ball. You know, you'd want to just get it on the green and make sure you got par, whereas now he's literally thinking, well, I might as well try to hold this, you know. So yeah. but just that mentality is so much different. I think you can be so much more aggressive. Some of those short par fours or, you know, that they're talking about driving and stuff, yep. depending upon what you're doing in your individual play, you may or may not go for it. And I heard – I think it was Zach Johnson last night because the reporters were asking about that. He goes, I don't think you're going to see anybody lay up on these holes this weekend, he said. So, you know, that wouldn't always be the case yeah, uh, when it yeah. was to play in your own. But, yeah, I, you just the ebbs and flows, and you, you think back to that um, Patrick Reed and Rory match at Hazeltine yep. yep. where it was, you know, one guy makes it and then he's pointing at you after he drops it in. It's like you just – you never get that all season in golf and to have – to have that it's just fun i mean everybody can cut loose everybody's in these crazy outfits and i don't know it's just it's a cool deal yeah it is so pulling for team usa to make some kind of a comeback but boy uh 4-0 after the first round and then trailing uh in the afternoon uh today as well they might have a a big comeback to make uh speaking of big i hope it's a uh i hope it's sunday is relevant you know when you kind of sit down and you got a little freer schedule and you want to watch it not very fun when they have to do something like miraculous to try to get in it. So yeah. I hope there's a chance yet, and uh, that it's going to be exciting down the stretch because that that's there's nothing more fun than that. Yeah, like last year or two years ago. I mean, Team USA rolled, which was nice, but it 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 made Sunday right. kind of so anticlimactic because they had such a huge lead. I hope that's yeah. not the case against Team USA this year. I agree with you. Right now they're up against it, but hopefully they can uh, figure something out. But some of those European guys are just on fire. They're just so zoned in. Yeah, so, yeah something's right. going to have to change. But momentum's a big thing. You know, and, you know, in golf, it's like, what did I just do in that swing? And you start thinking, and things go the opposite direction. Yeah. So it, ha- it can happen fast, but they're dialed in now. Yeah, that's for sure. Hey, uh, Vikings are 0-3. I didn't see that coming. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I, I, they, ha- they have to win at Carolina. Uh, this Sunday, don't they? I mean, you start the year 0-4. Uh, the odds of making the playoffs, especially since the Lions really do look as good as a lot of the yeah. national pundits were saying that they would be. I, I hear that talk, and I go, it's still the Lions. But, boy, right. after watching them just kind of dismantle uh, the Packers last night, the Lions really do look at that good. Yeah, they do look good, and they look very well-rounded. It isn't like, well, that's great. They can score points, you know, and they can't stop anybody, but they can't have they kind of have it all right now. So yeah. they've really, they've really built kind of a complete team. It feels like, and you know, they're they've got that talking about momentum, but I mean, they've kind of got the feel good stuff going too. So I'm sure their karma and chemistry and everything is sky high over there. And then you flip over to the purple, and 
Yeah. I know O'Connell's saying the right words. You know, I remember a team that was on three and won the Super Bowl. It's like, uh, well, we've never won the Super Bowl, Kev. <laughs> right, so, right. So that's not a – yeah, let's compare apples hard. to apples here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, and the way we've looked, it's just disheartening, the fact that – I just don't know how professionals and the guys that – you know, you know, like Kirk, too. And, and, and again, I'm not going to try to get into the Kirk bashing unless yeah. you really like him. But, um, <laughs> you know – just the not holding on to the ball and the decisions that we've made. And it's just, I don't know, it kind of can spiral out of control. And to have as many turnovers now as we had all last season, that is a scary stat. Yeah. And and look at what stats mean. Kirk Cousins leads the NFL in passing yardage. Right. And they're 0-3. Yeah. So yeah. it's a lot of yardage that doesn't matter, it seems that, like. Though. I know. He's always done that. He's been. Always gets yards. And yep. half of it, you know, if you go – you rewind a few years, we weren't very good. So, yep. you know, for him in the second, he was a great fantasy quarterback in the second half. You'd know that he was going to light it up because we were behind every time. Yeah. So some of those stats are very, you know, deceiving when it comes yep. down to that. Well, coaches will always think... tell you stats are for losers. So, hey, uh, we <laughs> lost, but then the Cousins fans are all saying, yeah, but look, at he leads the NFL in passing yardage. And, again, I'm not anti-Cousins. I'm not necessarily pro either. I just yeah. I, I don't know how to feel about the guy. He does good things. He does bad things. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Can you win a Super Bowl without having a top 10 QB? I think you used to be able to do that. I mean, look at Trent Dilfer. There's been other guys, Brad Johnson. But I think those times are behind us because of all the rules changes the NFL has made to promote the passing game. And those guys had elite defenses yep. and they're yep. on the other side of it. So, I mean, all they had to do was not screw up and score a couple touchdowns and they were going to win. That's right. Because their, their defenses just did not give up any points. You know, I mean, they just didn't. And we're obviously not that. Um, but, yeah, the you know, and the Chargers doing whatever the heck they did with going for it. I was, I was almost like, is this really happening? Like, you're doing this? Yeah. Because I, I figured, okay, yeah, you're going to get us to jump off sides. We might do it, you know. But then they actually went for it. And I'm like, that – that epitomizes my argument against Kirk right there. Yeah. I'm like, you got this handed to you. You have to take advantage of that. That's when you just step on him. Like, if you're going to be dumb like this, yep. you know, I'm sorry, we're not letting you off the hook. And we did. We let him off the hook. And yep. like, you know, you know, the clock management, the stupid run play. I was just, and then you blame it on the crowd noise. I'm like, Kirk, you yeah. really couldn't call a whole game yourself at this point. Like, you really have to have an offensive coordinator, even really, yeah. especially at that point. You must have a play. I think it should be called number 18. <laughs> yeah. It should have been called before the previous play was even run. Right. Because you it, knew you had no timeouts left and you were going to work the middle of the field uh, with the passing game in that situation. So you should have had a second play ready to go immediately. And as soon as, I guess it was, well, they, they then tried to explain, well, the communication in his helmet was in and out. So he would hear some of what O'Connell would say, yeah. and then he wouldn't hear. As soon as that mic drops the first time, he should have said, this isn't working, here's the play we're running. Uh, but to run off, what was it, 24 seconds oh, between terrible. plays, uh, that was costly. Yeah, because I don't even know how, it was, you know, like, even if that would have been incomplete, that last play, we were still up against, you know, like, would have been are six we going to get play off, two plays off, or, yeah. you know, what's even going to come down to this last play anyway. But, yeah, to me, that's one of those where, it's like when you're in your backyard and you put your hand out or you're in the dirt and you're like, JJ, I want you to do this. Yep. And I'll throw you the ball. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, what, you know, I don't, it, of course, we always make it seem like it seems so simple, but yeah. when I, you know, like, okay, watching Bur Burrow struggled and I think it's his health, 
Um, but he just let Jamar Chase make plays the other night. Yeah. And Kirk has done that, but to me this year he's holding on to the ball again like he's done in the past. Yep. And it's like, just get it out to J.J. I yep. would rather have him throw an interception towards J.J., you know, or at least let him try to make a play. He's just so good. And, it's, you know, we go a long periods of time without targeting him, it seems like, too, and when we really need to. And the thing I'm worried about with J.J., I think J.J.'s a great guy, but he's not stupid. So yep. when things start going bad and then you're in the Minnesota whatever, and then he's like, so I could go play for the Jets or the Giants or Dallas or – you know, and get paid, it's like, mm, if things start going bad, that's the part I get worried about, because then that whole chemistry thing of ours, that starts getting really dicey. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, he did not sign the contract extension. Well, uh, he doesn't know who his quarterback is going to be beyond this year. And, you know, a wide receiver, kind of dependent on that quarterback getting him the football. I think if they extended Cousins, uh, that would have had J.J., perhaps signing that, that extension before the season. Yeah. But when the Vikings decided to play it out so there's uncertainty at the most important position, that isn't a selling point for Jefferson to sign that contract with the Vikings. I sometimes wonder, Todd, and J.J. to me has been an amazing like teammate. He says the right things. He's positive. Yep. He doesn't like all the drama. He doesn't really want the noise. He doesn't. I don't want to talk about this stuff anymore. I don't want to talk about trades. I don't want to talk yep. about my contract. I just want to play football. And then he's always back to Kirk. Kirk. Yep. But you know how this goes, too. It's like if you start turning on things, and then it's like, well, you know, <laughs> you, you just sometimes I wonder if he's having a cocktail with the boys, uh-huh. if he's like, Kirk is my ride or die. Like, you know, he's the best quarterback I could ever have. Or if he's like, boy, I sure would like so-and-so throwing me the ball, you know, geez, to play with Mahomes or to play with so, you know. Of course, everybody can say that, but, I mean, J.J. could have the right to play with who he wants. I mean, that's how good he is. Yep. So I just wonder if sometimes he's just a really good teammate. He knows what's right and wrong. And, uh, you know, if it if it starts getting a little uh, rough, if things are going to start turning, you know, is what I worry about, too, because it just doesn't take long. I mean, look at the Jets. They have 40-some seconds of their se- season of hope, and yeah. now they're just a complete train wreck. Yeah. And they're talking about how coaches – backing the quarterback and that's drawing dissension it's just like it does not take long for it to be a mess and there's lots of egos in those locker rooms so that's for sure yeah at least we're not jets fans uh and and worrying <laughs> about that that's for sure hey uh, lefty safe travels this weekend we'll talk again next week all right todd sounds great go jeff, usa right you bet jeff ash joining us here on the todd and friends podcast it's brought to you by heritage bank member fdic an equal housing lender Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.